Hey there you, welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. How are you doing? Are you well? Are you good? Are you in fine form? It's uh, pretty much five o'clock here in Salford in the northwest of the UK. I'm the BBG. You found me again. Leave a comment during the programme at richieallen.co.uk. That's my handle, my website even. Comment lives there. I'll read your comments out as we go along. It promises to be a very interesting programme, so it does. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host. Richie Allen. Yes, Mark Boyerski from the Pure Energy Healing Academy will be on the program this evening. It's been ages. I can't wait to catch up with Mark. I don't need to tell you too much about him, so I won't for now. But you can check out Pure Energy Healing Academy. You can check it out online. So it's Pure Energy Healing, P-E-H Academy uh, dot com. You can't uh, go wrong there. We'll talk to Mark about lots, lots to get into with him when he joins me in around about 45 minutes time. It is a Tuesday the 22nd of November 2022. That's a red letter day in history. I don't think I need to tell you that. And uh, we'll talk just briefly about that in a moment. It's always worth marking. Listen, I went to, I, I attended the funeral of Maxine Ripley yesterday. Um, Maxine Ripley was the wife of my great friend Paul Ripley. Uh, they were together for 45 years, would you believe? They met when they were 15, 16 years old in in high school and courted for years and then got married and, and had three children and, um, and lived a happy life together. Maxine passed away after a short illness, went to uh, the funeral yesterday um, where he gave a lovely eulogy for his wife, did Paul. And I hope you'll join me in wishing him all the love and positive energy in the world as he rebuilds his life and embarks on a new chapter now without um, without Maxine. Uh, Paul is not just a great friend and a valued friend of mine, but he's also one of the reasons this programme gets on air uh, every Monday to Friday, uh, Thursday even, and Sunday mornings. He's a gifted engineer and he's done, I, you couldn't quantify, you couldn't measure what he's given to this programme. So you should, not only you should know, you do know who he is, but you should value him. So we'll wish him all the best in in embarking on his life without Maxine. Okay, November 22nd, 1963, 59 years ago. It's worth mentioning, I suppose, it's always worth mentioning, because it was the assassination of John F. Kennedy that eventually gave rise to the term conspiracy theory. I know you probably know this, but programmes like this attract new listeners all the time as things get a bit crazy or become more crazy and silly. So that's worth checking out, you know. I don't think anybody with any credibility would claim that Lee Harvey Oswald assassinated John F. Kennedy. Uh, certainly not alone anyway um, he, he didn't, I don't think he did I don't think he had anything to do with the shooting but he didn't, I think everyone knows that there was a conspiracy in Dealey Plaza at this day 59 years ago but it's interesting enough that in the 1970s when people were really demanding answers 
as to what happened and demanding that government files be turned over to the public. It was then that the CIA came up with the notion of the conspiracy theorist to ridicule and immediately put down anyone who alleges that there was a conspiracy, that there is a conspiracy to do anything. So keep, um, keep that in mind. A number of you reached out to me overnight to say, Richie, please give a mention to a film by a guy called Stu Peters. It's called Died Suddenly. It's it's trending on, on social media, on Twitter. Stu Peters is a, he's described as a media personality. He has his own radio show. I believe it's very popular. And he is part of a team that created something called Died Suddenly, which is a film which runs for about an hour and 10 minutes. And it is about uh, the death rate or the alleged death rate or deaths even caused by COVID jabs. The film is asking the question, is are COVID jabs killing some people? And it's still on there. It's on Twitter. Check it out, by the way. All right. Um, despite the backlash against it, it's still there. I took some time today to read some of the comments underneath the the Twitter post. And I found them very interesting. Many comments on underneath the Twitter post have come from folks who say that it has happened to their loved ones. And they seem genuine. You know, they seem like genuine posts. People saying, well, my very fit and my very healthy and agile father in his 50s, for example, took the jab, got very ill a few days later and died. So these seem genuine. So check this film out, okay? Meanwhile, in Ireland, an inquest has heard how a young boy, a 14-year-old boy, died only three weeks after getting the Pfizer COVID jab. Uh, the the coroner of County Mayo, a guy called Pat Connor, described the young boy, who, whose name is Joseph McGinty, by the way, described his death as an issue of, quote, significant public concern, unquote. So well done, the coroner. Ma on far, we would say, good man. Now this from the Irish Independent, I published this on my website today. Family members held hands as the inquest into the death of Joseph McGinty of Ackill Island got underway at Castle Bar Courthouse. A request for safety information from COVID-19 vaccine manufacturer Pfizer is to form part of the, quote, considerable investigation, end quote, to be conducted into the death. The teenager was a second year school student. He was vaccinated with the Pfizer COVID-19 jab on August 20th, 2021. He died at home on September 13th, 2021. So about three weeks later. He suffered significant medical deterioration following the administration of the vaccine. That is what the inquest heard yesterday. He was sent to hospital on September 1st. He was kept in overnight, but he was discharged the following day. He was brought back again on September 8th for review. Let me quote the coroner, Pat O'Connor. Listen. Uh, The circumstances of Joseph McGinty's death is that COVID vaccination was administered to him. That there appears to have been either a reaction or a significant change in his medical circumstances following the administration of the vaccine and that subsequently, unfortunately, Master McGinty died. That's the coroner, Pat O'Connor. Patricia McGinty formally identified her son's remains on the day of his death, but, quote, has very little recollection of the morning in question, end quote. And that was, um, that was Rita Kilroy, 
a barrister acting on behalf of the family. She told the court that the mum, who must be absolutely beside herself with grief, the mum has very little recollection of the morning in question. And interestingly enough, the coroner, Pat O'Connor, said it could take years, that's a quote, to determine what happened to the boy. I always, and I know it annoys some listeners, but I've got to say this, it's the right and proper thing to say. I don't have any medical training. I'm not a virologist, I'm not a vaccinologist, if such a thing exists, and and maybe it doesn't. I have no grounding, no education in any of this stuff. I wouldn't touch one of the jabs with a barge pole. And I would say to any parents of children, don't take my word for it. Look into the government's own data on vaccine injuries. Consider that COVID, for the great majority of people, whatever COVID is, whether you agree it exists or not, is a very mild respiratory infection that your child uh, probably won't even know he or she had. So vaccinating them against it is is a risk I don't think worth taking. That's my opinion. It's nine minutes past the hour. Just uh, in case you missed it, it's, it's died suddenly. Stu Peters, S-T-E-W Peters. Check it out. Okay. And this is about... Reports coming in from all over the world of people who have succumbed in the worst possible way, passed away shortly after having a COVID jab. Now, Ireland is going to become the first country in Europe to offer its citizens something known as water cremation. I hadn't a clue such a thing existed. It's a new form of burial. It's called a resomation. That's R-E-S-O-M-A-T-I-O-N. It's basically an alternative to the gas-fired cremation and it's considered to be more environmentally friendly. This thing is taking off in America, North America, Canada in particular, where allegedly people are becoming so concerned about the impact their funeral might have on the environment that they're looking at this. People are worried about the impact their funeral might have on the climate crisis. So they're looking into water cremation. So what is it? Well, during a water cremation the remains of the deceased are wrapped in a woolen shroud placed in a large steel vessel and that vessel, that chamber, is then filled with 95% water, 5% alkaline solution and it is heated gently. And over the course of three hours, the water breaks down the body into chemical components, amino acids, peptides, sugars and salt. And the first thing that came to mind when I read this today was that's basically boil-in-the-bag cremations to save the planet. And yeah, I did write that on the website for a laugh. I mean, if that isn't vaudeville, what is? Do you think pretty soon crematoriums will be sponsored by Uncle Ben's and any other company that offers boil-in-the-bag food stuffs? It's madness, isn't it, that? That story is on my website, richieallen.co.uk, along with a lot of other interesting things which are posted there Today, it's Tuesday's programme. Um, Sadiq Khan is the Mayor of London. You know this, I know this. Why have you mentioned it? Well, he has been... He's, he's presented a podcast for talk... No, he hasn't. He has presented a podcast for LBC Radio in London, which is based at Leicester Square in London. Now, I've... Years ago, some years ago, I began ranting against or lamenting, depending on the mood I was in at the time, the fact that the mainstream media was turning to politicians to fill its schedules. 
I couldn't get over this. You'll remember me ranting about this if you happen to be a long-time listener to the programme. And I said this is a very significant development in the history of media and a significant development in modern media. Putting politicians, the very people that the media itself is supposed to be holding to account for what they do, was now basically turning them loose on the airwaves. I could name lots of them. David Lammy, Rachel Johnson, um, uh, Ian, Ian, Ian Arsehole, who stood for the Tories a number of times. What's his name? Uh, the, 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 the absolute arsehole. You know the guy. He presents Tea Time for LBC. Um, Nigel Farage, of course, has been given uh, television programmes. There are many of them. It's an, it's an amazing development to me. And it has gone basically either unnoticed by the print media or it just doesn't care. So Sadiq Khan is presenting or has presented a podcast for LBC and in it he interviewed the film director Richard Curtis, most famous, I suppose, for Four Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually and Notting Hill. Okay, if he didn't direct any one of those apologies, they're all the bloody same to me. Um, here is Sadiq Khan speaking about climate change. What else? With with Richard Curtis, the film director. I first really woke up to climate change and air pollution relatively recently. Uh, it'd probably be 2014, 2015, that sort of time when I, as a consequence of running the marathon to raise money for charity, I, I got adult onset asthma. Then I started looking into this. And he, he, he got asthma as a consequence of running the London marathon. That's impossible. Again, insert into... It's, it's important I put in there, I have no medical training whatsoever, but you don't get asthma as a consequence of running the London Marathon. Marathon to raise money for charity, I, I got adult onset asthma. That I no, no, you didn't. started looking into this and the link wow. between uh, air pollution, climate change uh, and this invisible killer and so forth. This is astonishing. This is the guy who is the mayor of London. Now he's got a podcast on LBC. Uh, you woke up to the issue of climate change a lot earlier than me, but what was the, what was the, what was the moment or... or the, the moments that, that made you realise, listen, there's something going on that's, that's really serious. So when did filmmaker Richard Curtis wake up to the realisation that there's something going on and very serious with the climate? I woke up late too. I remember in 2005, Make Poverty History, we were going to make it also a climate campaign and eventually we didn't because we thought it was too confusing. So is it where the psychological link wasn't there? So in fact, the big thing for me was the development of the Sustainable mm. Development Goals by the UN. And these are, you know, the 17 absolutely entwined goals of everything that needs to be done. And they deal with poverty, they deal with injustice, they deal with climate. And I absolutely endorsed them and wanted to be part of sort of celebrating and marketing them and making them famous. And so by that, I became a much more committed climate activist and now you know comic relief is starting to have a environmental arm everything is having an environmental arm isn't it dear listener and it just become you know it's a blinding revelation that this is which i should have been i, I think the thing i feel is that i used to think it was okay not dealing with climate if i was dedicating myself to other yeah. very serious yeah. issues that's a strange one. I used to think it was okay to not deal with climate. This is a film director now. Um, while I was, <clears throat> excuse me, while I was dealing with other issues, other noble causes like make poverty history, I used to think that as long as I was doing those things, it was okay not to deal with the climate. But and I no longer think of that. I think climate is a war that we're in. A war that we're in. And as it were, you can't say, "Well, I'll disengage myself from 
the war and I'll do some interesting stuff at home and other things. Everybody has to just reinterpret their lives and say, imagine that you've got to reinterpret your life, your lives. What is the climate bit of my life? Because every citizen's got to have their eye on this particular ball. Wow. That's interesting. Richard Curtis there speaking with Sadiq Khan on an LBC podcast. The time is 16 minutes past the hour. I'm going to take a tune. When I come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Qatar World Cup. The Qatar World Cup. Is it Qatar? 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 What is it? You know? I don't know. I'm Richie Allen. This is Odyssey on the Richie Allen Show. Native New Yorker from Odyssey. You're going to Billy's funeral on Friday, are you? Yeah. Where is it? It's at uh, Uncle Ben's Boil in the Bag Crematorium over there, yeah. Yeah, it's a water cremation, yeah. Yeah, Billy wanted to uh, do his bit for the climate crisis, so he's uh, opted for a boil in the bag cremation, a water cremation, yeah, yeah. You should know the score by now. You're a native New Yorker. 20 past five it is. Every time Steve Wright did that, when I listened to Steve, I never listened to Steve Wright. I would accidentally, I would accidentally happen upon him in the core and I would criticise the bejesus out of him for singing along with the music. I would say how unprofessional it is. But Steve Wright couldn't hold a candle to me so I can do what I like. I, 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 in my dreams. Right. Rude Boy Marcus says, Richie, I spoke to my mate from Iran. Three richest nations in the world. Marcus, you might want to read that again and, and maybe rewrite it because I don't understand it. Jenny says, Richie, I remember you talking about politicians being given shows several years ago. It definitely isn't right. Pollution and climate change are not the same thing. People shouldn't confuse them. I think the pronunciation of Qatar is cat or. Cat or. Yeah, that I've heard I've heard it pronounced like that. You could be right, Jenny. We should ask the Cut Ories, shouldn't we? Uh, Morons says, Richie, has anyone noticed how the establishment are trying to make people seem like they are taking up space? Oh, yeah. Uh, the water cremation is eerie. It reminds me of attempts to turn people into fertiliser. On that theme, Pandora says, Richie, boil in the bag, Uncle Ben's chow remains. <laughs> With a side of rice. Well done, Pandora. I should have thought of that, yeah. Boil in the bag, Uncle Ben's chow remains. Diane says, and where does the water go? Down the drain. What about water eutrophication? Good point. I'm pretending I know what eutrophication means. <laughs> what I haven't a clue. Just be honest, Paulie. That's the thing. Longevity. Why? Why? How have you lasted so long? I just tell the truth. I haven't a clue. Caroline says, this is madness, Richie. How inhumane, in my opinion. Yeah. Scaramouche was watching the Stu Peters film uh, on philosopherstone.info, which is a very good site. Thank you, Scaramouche. You haven't told us what you thought of the film. Is it any good? Um, Died Suddenly is the name of it, isn't it? There's lots more comments, but I can't open the page because the website is inundated at the moment with traffic. I wish some of you loonies would listen on... Oh, no, you can't, can you? You can't listen on TuneIn Radio because, well, you can, but advertisements pop up and spoil my dulcet tones. I've just opened the page. Scottish Al, thank you for the link, pal. Good man. He's linked to it. Uh, It's on rumble.com too. Uh, And some lovely messages for Paul uh, Ripley, the great Paul. Uh, Maybe Paul will check in and see some of those later on from Wendy Roos and, and, uh, and others. 
It is uh, Tuesday's program. I said we'd talk about Qatar. Qatar. Belgium's football team said this morning that they, uh, the players will not now wear a white away jersey in the World Cup. A white jersey which has the word love on the collar. It won't do that now in the group stage. This decision was made following a discussion between the Belgian Football Association and FIFA. So they were planning on showing those awful Qataris, those awful human rights abusers, they were going to show them, they were going to teach them a lesson by wearing a jersey with the word love on the collar. But now they've decided not to. (laughs) So England and Wales and some other European countries were going to wear a one love armband to stick it to the Qataris, to stick it to them. But then they dropped their protest uh, and dropped the wearing of the armband because FIFA said FIFA is the governing body. If you do wear the one love armband, you'll be given a yellow card for it. So they were really, really, really sincere, weren't they, the footballers? They were really committed to standing up for LGBTQ plus citizens in Qatar who are um, oppressed. They were so serious about it, really serious. We're going to show them, we're going to wear the armband. We'll book you. All right, we're not wearing the armband. Yeah, they bottled it, basically. Do you know why they bottled it? Because they didn't give a rat's arse in the first place. You can spot a virtue signaller a mile off. A virtue signaller loves to signal virtue, to stand by certain, what what you might call, popular causes, causes of the day. But when it comes to actually doing something, and if it in any way inconveniences the virtue signaller, well, well, we'll just drop that and we'll move on to another thing. It's absolutely vaudevillian, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Um, Good Morning Britain had Scotland's first openly gay footballer on. The first openly gay footballer in Scotland. He was on Good Morning Britain today. He isn't thrilled. Uh, Firstly, before we get his thoughts on the One Love armband, what was it like coming out and becoming the first footballer in Scotland to be openly gay, at least the first male football? Here's Xander Murray. Xander. It was a very difficult journey. Um, I noticed in Scotland that there was not a lot of role models for me personally. Uh, What what do you mean there wasn't a lot of role models for you? You're in Scotland, man. Kenny Dalgleish, Graeme Souness, Dennis Law. Dennis Law? Come on. Archie Gemmell, Gordon Strachan. What do you mean there were no role models? You've had some of the greatest footballers ever to play in England. What role models? And being inspired by Jake Daniels, Josh Cavill from afar. Yeah, he was inspired by some other gay footballers, but not by the straight footballers who were some of the best footballers that ever lived, no. I thought, now's the time to do it. Right, and do you feel better for doing it? Oh. Richard Madeley, you, you got to love Richard. Oh, incredible. <laughs> do you know, I've yet to meet a gay person who, who doesn't feel so different for the better after coming out. Personally, yes, within myself, however... A big reason why I wanted to do it was to share my message and try and to expire younger generations. He wants to expire younger generations. And seeing that now in fruition is incredible and, yeah, overwhelming. Good. Yeah, good. Is it the case... Good, says Richard Madeley. ...that football um, does not have a lot of gay men playing? Or is it the case that there are a lot of gay men playing but they don't feel confident mm-hmm. enough to come out? What, what about a third option? What about it could be the case that there are gay footballers playing in Scotland who don't imagine for a minute that it's anybody's business what their sexuality happens to be? Could there be a third option? Why does it always have to be binary choice? Are they scared? 
or is it that there's just not a lot of gay footballers? Well, what if there are a few gay footballers, but they're like, it's nobody's business who I choose to share my life with. Not something uh, that's relevant to what I do for a living, so uh, I'll keep it to myself. That might be the third option. Good question. <laughs> I would say elements of both, 100%. Um, and I just wanted to be a part of the change, be another pillar of this really, really strong community. The community. And really help current players. No, no, you wanted to be famous. Tell the truth, you, you came out because you realised there wasn't an openly gay Scottish footballer and you thought, I'll draw a little bit of attention to myself. Uh, you're not doing it for anybody else. You're not doing it to inspire anybody. That's my opinion, by the way. I could be wrong. I could be gaslighting the guy. He could sincerely be coming out because he wants to inspire other people to, coming, to come out, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I remember I worked at the People's Voice in London and David Icke put a guy called Sean Adle in charge, which was a fatal mistake. It's the reason ultimately the the project didn't work because Adle, not corrupt at all, just utterly useless. Utterly useless. I mean, lost with all hands useless. Uh, Sean Adle. This um, British-Iranian kid. Why David Icke put the, the whole project in, in this guy's hands. I have no idea. But he did, and the guy was useless. As useless as tits on a bull. And he's also gay. And I remember, while we were in London, um, same-sex civil partnerships had been legalised. And this guy, Adel, and the guy he was dating at the time, um, announced that they were getting married at midnight on the day that it was legal for same-sex couples to be married. Uh, and they were just doing it to be famous. Now, that's not unique, of course. Th that, that characteristic, that silliness, that narcissism isn't, of course, unique to gay men and women, far from it. But um, a lot of this stuff is to do with narcissism. Nobody cares. Fans don't give a rat's arse what the sexuality of a guy is. If the guy's putting the ball in the back of the net or if he's supplying the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net with great passes or if he's stopping the ball going into his own net at the back, you just don't care what he is. It, this is a great time for gay people to be alive, particularly gay men. Now, this guy was then asked about, his, was he disappointed in FIFA and in the England team for not seeing through their plans to wear the One Love armbands. Ander? What is that meant to represent? That's meant to represent inclusivity in our sport. Um, it's to fight against discrimination of all kinds in our sport. Discrimination. And again, the thing that kills me as a real journalist, as the only real journalist really left in this country, that's a really arrogant thing to say. But I am, I'm the only one with a daily radio show who will ask these questions. I would stop the guy and ask him to give me an example. Cite me an example where, 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 where you can show me where discrimination is prevalent in the English game. Show me, please, point, show me an example. You know what he would do? He would fall back on when the England players last summer missed the penalties in the penalty shootout against the Italian team. Look at the abuse that Marcus Rashford and Bukaya Sacco and Jaden Sancho got on Twitter. But see, that's not racism. That's just foolishness. The big difference between going on Twitter with an anonymous account and swearing at people for the heck of it and real racism. But he wouldn't be able to answer that's the thing that kills me. Stop him in his tracks and say, what discrimination are you talking about? Personally, I feel that's a direct attack on us as a community. Mm. 
not just... Now, not wearing the armband and FIFA telling them they can't wear the armband is a direct attack on us as a community, says Xander Murray. Personally, I feel that's a direct attack on us as a community. Hmm. Not, there is no community, again. Not just us, but, yep, the One Love armband is that has roots in LGBTQ+. And, and it's, such a, them, it's such a small gesture. It's not Richard Madeley. Not marching across the pitch with a banner, is it? Or making a grabbing the microphone from a commentator and making a speech. It's just an armband. Exactly. So how sensitive are they? Oh, and you can see from other fans wearing rainbow hats and they're not allowed into stadiums. It's just baffling, you know. Like. The penalty would have been a yellow card, of course. That would have been the price that Harry yeah. Kane and Gareth Bale would have had to have paid. Can you understand why the FA decided they didn't want to take that decision yeah, or would you or do you criticize the fa for uh, standing down in the face of the threat from fifa yeah i mean deeper than this it's, it's fifa's fifa's um provided these sanctions on the players so we really can't attack the players here for getting the yellow card why not if the players felt that strongly about it and god knows they did enough virtue signaling before the tournament if the players feel so strongly about gay rights in qatar uh, surely it's worth them taking a booking and taking a suspension in the name of human rights, surely? At a World Cup mm. knock, then it's a tournament that mm. if you get a yellow card, a couple of games and that's you banned. So it's but do you, yeah, yeah, but, but you, you want us to believe that gay people are living in fear of their lives in Qatar. You've told us that Qatar has the death penalty for, 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 for gay people. It doesn't, of course. It, 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 Sharia law says, yes, it's, it's punishable by death, but nobody has ever been sentenced to death in Qatar or Qatar for being homosexual. But that being said, the players have told us that this is the case, that it's a terrible thing, so it's a bit cowardly to drop the armband protest, right? But do you think that the FA should have called FIFA's bluff? Because there are many people saying this morning that actually had they done that and had the armbands been worn, FIFA would have, would have had to back down because it would have completely screwed the game. Screwed the game. Richard Maley, what a gift. True. Well, a counter-argument is Christian Eriksen, Captain Denmark. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't wear it. The thing is, um, it, it, there, was an, there was an I'm Spartacus moment. There was the possibility of one. I'm Spartacus. They could have done it. All 11 players could have worn the armband. You know, the armband is usually worn by the captain and the captain only. But all the players could have worn it. They all could have been booked. In the second game, they all could have worn it again and then they could have put it back to FIFA if they really felt that strongly about it. But I know that they didn't really. Cold, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. And I wouldn't dream of telling you what to do, and I wouldn't dream of endorsing anything, but immunex365.co.uk is run by a lovely Irish guy called Eamon, and he's a big supporter of the independent media. I know he sends money to a number of independent content creators. So part of 
what he earns from immunex365.co.uk, he does pump into the independent media. And I want to reiterate that because he is a good guy. So if you are thinking of a supplement to boost your immune system over the winter, give him a shout. Have a look at it. Um, it might just be the one for you. And he is, as I said, looking after the independent media. And he's advertising with us here, which is, uh, I can't tell you, it's, it's very, very helpful. So thanks to Eamon. It's 25 minutes to the top of the hour. Mark Bayerski will be live in a few minutes' time from Spain. I can't bloody well wait to feel the, the, the waves of positivity washing over me and over the programme. What else is I going to tell you? Um, Omar Jalili is a comedian. I hope I pronounced that correctly because I don't do that to be, to be unkind. He's an Iranian comedian who's done pretty well in the UK over the last 20, 25 years. Now, he is annoyed. You see, England played Iran last year. Uh, not last evening, yesterday afternoon in the World Cup. England won 6-2, 6-2 against the Iranians who are ranked in the top 20 in the world. So, good result for the for the Sassanox. Now, um, Omar Jalili is annoyed. He's annoyed because he thinks England missed the trick that when they scored their goals last night, English players, what they should have done according to Jalili is they should have simulated cutting a lock of their hair. I want you to picture this. So Jack Grealish, who's got a lovely head of hair, God love him. Jack Grealish has a beautiful head of hair, God bless him. So imagine when Jack scored his goal, if he didn't do the celebration that he did for the young boy with cerebral palsy that he met. Long story, Jack Grealish met a young, a lovely young kid who's got cerebral palsy and the kid said to Jack, Jack, if you score a goal, will you do this celebration? It's called the worm. Jack said, I will. And he kept his word because when he scored yesterday, he did the worm. Lovely. It's a big, big deal. Lovely for the kid, right? Lovely for a kid. And Omar Jalili is thinking like, well, Jack Grealish has a lovely head of hair. If he had scored his goal and pretended to cut the lock of his hair, that would have shown the Iranian regime. I mean, that would have shown... I mean, that, that would have been such a powerful gesture that the Ayatollah would have just fecked off out of Iran altogether. Well, maybe not. Here's Omar Jalili. Actually very disappointed in the England team, I have to say. Really disappointed with England. Because Gareth Southgate, in his press conference, when he was asked directly, Iranian activists are asking, they're looking to the England team Mm. to make a gesture to support what's going on in Iran. And he said, I'm not really informed about these things. Yeah, sometimes people are not really informed about stuff. It's nice when you hear a manager these days. They're they're so... (laughs) They're so opinionated these days, football people. They're so woke. It's nice to hear the manager say, I don't really know anything about that. But you're not allowed. If You're you're not allowed. We think, well, get informed, Gareth. And get al- informed. And also, he goes, if there was a gesture that the Iran team wanted, wanted us to do, we would listen to that. Now, Iran team are never going to speak to the England team. And they had a real chance. We scored, England scored six goals yesterday. Six. And if Jack Grealish is being lauded for doing the worm and highlighting correctly cerebral palsy. And we, we say, well done, Jack Grealish. He didn't need to highlight cerebral palsy. We've all heard of cerebral palsy. It means that the England players were either uninformed or have been silenced by FIFA. Uh, either way, that's a disgrace. That's a disgrace. Either way, uh, I think we should hang our heads in shame because all the Iranian people were behind the England team. And I was looking for one England player to do a very efficient, small, small gesture that would have been massive. Jack Grealish is in every newspaper saying, well done him. Can you imagine the global, the global reach if one player had done scrunch and snip? 
Yeah. That would have scrunch and snip. It's called scrunch and snip. Scrunch and snip. Yeah. That would have gone well, global and it would have gone. So you pretend to scrunch up your hair and snip it, and by doing that. You're, you're showing the Iranian regime, man. Viral. There's no question that Iran should have been banned. Jesus Christ. He's a comedian. Do you know that? Saying that the players should have simulated cutting a lock of their hair in solidarity with Iranian women who don't want to wear the hijab. This is an inversion. I shouldn't be taking the piss out of this. The comedian should be ripping the piss out of it. There should be no room for somebody like me to laugh at this stuff. You hear me? Do you feel me? It's absolutely vaudevillian. And we'll leave the whole racism stuff with them, with this. You know, I've banged on for years about how we're approaching a time when, when silence won't be tolerated. When you'll be expected to opine on all manner of things that you don't really care to opine on. You'll be asked to express your thoughts on issues that you would prefer to keep your thoughts to yourself on, right? And I've been warning of this for some years now. You know, you'll be asked to show solidarity. You'll be asked to be an ally of all of this stuff when you've gotten along most of your life kind of keeping your thoughts to yourself. Not anymore. And this is a dangerous time. Well, I don't have to tell you it's a dangerous time. Julia Hartley Brewer from Talk Radio interviewed Shaista Aziz this morning about this issue, right? About women's rights in Iran and LGBT rights. And I just want you to hear a little bit of it. You'll hear Shaista Aziz, the human rights campaigner, and then you'll hear Julia Hartley Brewer. Well, I think, first of all, it's brilliant that Harry Kane and the team took the knee. I think that's really important that they're continuing to be proudly uh, and unapologetic anti-racist. In relation to the... Did you, did you, when, before they took the knee, did you think they were racist? Who was racist? Did you think that the England team were racist before they started taking the knee? Brilliant question, this. This is what I've been banging on about for years. Did in- England? Did it take England's players to take the knee to exonerate them? To, to assure us all that they weren't racist. No, I did you think? think did you think they were pro-racism before they started taking the knee? I think it's only right and proper that if our national football team, full of a very diverse group of young men, believe that they have a duty to ensure that everybody who follows them knows that they're proudly and unapologetically anti-racist. I assume yeah. that everyone I meet is anti-racist unless told otherwise. Well, that's not how anti-racism works. Wow. Brilliant. Brewer is right. We we make an assumption the people we encounter in our lives are decent people. We don't we certainly don't make the assumption that they're anti-racist. That wouldn't even enter your head. No more than you would assume they're racist. You take people at face value. You assume that they're nice people until they demonstrate they are otherwise. But it doesn't work like that anymore, says the anti-racism campaigner. And this is what I've been talking about for some years now. Is anti-racist unless told otherwise? Well, that's not how anti-racism works. If you're an anti-racist... No, it's not, is it? If you're an anti-racist, you need to be able to demonstrate that. and To demonstrate that. And then she goes on and waffles on a bit more. Anti-racists need to be able to demonstrate that. How do I demonstrate it? Do I take the knee? Do I give up a job to a minority? How do I demonstrate it? It's 18 minutes to the top of the air. So much more. I could have covered so much more, so much more, so much more. 
but I didn't because there isn't time. Mark Boyerski, excuse the voice, I'm still a little bit. <clears throat> it takes a while to get over these uh, these old bugs. Uh, and I've been under the weather for about two weeks now. Here are, or here is, here is Gladys Knight and the Pips and Midnight Train to Georgia on the Richie Allen Show, Tuesday's edition, November 22nd, 2022. Mark in three minutes. There's never been a happier head in the world than the head of Mark Boyerski. He's, I can see him on the... I can see him on my screen there. He can't see me because this is radio. No need to be confused. This is radio. I can see Mark. He can't see me. At the time, it's 14 minutes to the top of the hour. Gladys Knight and the Pips in Midnight Train to Georgia. Just before we welcome Mark back to the programme, let me uh, read one or two comments. Nelly says, hurry up, Mark. We need some positivity. Calm down, Nelly. He's there. He's a... Uh, present and correct. Diane says community suggests separation from the greater society. They're trying to turn LGBT into victims. Why would anyone want that? No one makes me into a victim. Some have tried. All have failed because I'm no one's victim. Diane is a transsexual woman who was on the programme in the past. Diane, let's do it again. Let's get you back on soon. Uh, A lot has happened. Patrizia says, why not the same passion for the dead and all of the injured due to the jabs? Instead, they focus on football. Obnoxious. Angela says, I really need to hear Mark this evening. He lifts my spirits. That's lovely, Angela. Thank you. Leslie says, Richie, the footballers were not told they would get a yellow card. They were told they might get a yellow card. Good point, Leslie. David says, looking forward to hearing from Mark very soon. I love the man's energy, says David. Jonathan says, Richie, I heard Graeme Soonis refer to the Qatari treatment of the LGBTQ society on the TV earlier. So I just thought I would correct you when you refer to the community. It's a society now. You're welcome, he says. You can tell how uncomfortable Soonis is uh, talking about non-football issues. Let's welcome back to the programme a very dear and uh, not so old, but dear for sure, friend of mine. Amazing guy. He is a uh, a teacher. He's an artist. He's a broadcaster. He's a writer. He is a healer. He is the man behind the Pure Energy Healing Academy. To find out more about that and to read the testimonials there, I recommend you do. Go to P-E-H, that's, that's Papa Echo Hotel Academy.com. That's all one word. P-E-H Academy.com. Let's welcome back live from Spain. My friend and your friend, Mark Bajerski. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Oh, absolutely amazing. I've got this song in my head, Richie. I just want to sing it. I, it just, it's been there all morning. And it's like, up above the streets and houses, rainbow <laughs> climbing high. Paint the whole world with a rainbow. You've, you've got a voice on you. You're in key. <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, so we're memories of Bungle and Jeffrey and Zippy and George. Of course, the great rainbow. Because oh. some of our listeners won't know what the bloody hell you're referring to. What was rainbow? Rainbow was a kiddies program that, as we got older, we watched one particular um, uh, uh, joke of that uh, program <laughs> where they were taking the mick, and uh, it was so hilarious. But yeah, it was it was a, a big bear. It was a hippopotamus. And, um, yeah, uh, Bungle, Zippy, George. And then there were some singers, and they used to come through a door, and it was called Rainbow. Yeah. And we used to watch, I mean, can you imagine? We really enjoyed it. We used to watch <laughs> <laughs> We loved it. In, in Ireland, we had uh, 
we 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 got rainbow if 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 we were lucky enough to get the British TV channels, but the big children's television show in Ireland was Bosco, as in B O S C O, and Bosco was a little red-haired puppet who wore a pajamas and lived in a little square box, and it was presented by some of the most weird and wonderful presenters who spent the half-hour episode speaking to Bosco. And that was our... Now, you, this is why I love having you on, because our conversations go everywhere. Um, tell me why I and others like me, there's a phenomenon that we haven't discussed, and that phenomenon is 40-somethings and 50-somethings, and maybe maybe 60-somethings. We are buying or borrowing the book that we read when we were children for some sort of comfort. I'm thinking in my case, I'm not making this up, in my case I've I've gone through the Enid Blyton books again, I've read some of the Famous Five, I've read the Secret Seven, I've read The Far Away Tree, which is my favourite book as a child of all time. And I've seen a lot of this online lately. What? How is that related, do you think, to the, to the I don't know, the, the fear and the angst, even, of the last two to three years. Are you hearing this as well? People taking solace in the things that were dear to them when they were children. What's that all about, do you think? Well, it makes complete sense to me that people are doing that. Where else do you get your your fix of happiness and joy? I, I, when you said that, it kind of related something to me to business and um, and relationship as well. Remember the time that you were in a business and it was successful and then all of a sudden the business started getting worse and worse but you held on to it as long as you could and the reason why is because you remembered the good times in the business not the moment that you're in now and it's getting worse same as a relationship when you first start a relationship it's absolutely beautiful for the first three months and sometimes they say there's a seven-year itch but then you keep you stay you stay there because you remember the good times even though now it's not so good so I guess we always look back to the times that made us feel good and you know like like many others there we used to climb trees everything was raw and natural everything was absolutely simple and we had something that most children don't have anymore because it's been tortured out of them and that that was our beautiful intuition that we used to use the creativity and the imagination all of that now has been purposely drilled and killed from humanity. And now all we're doing, all the children are doing, are looking at the black magic screen. And that is basically what it is. We, we, it's black magic. It's taken away all our truth, love, the reason why we're here, our path journey, our healing, our understanding of life. And now we surrender ourselves to a black screen. And that is entertainment, which people believe it is because they've never experienced what you and I have experienced. They know nothing about what we did when we were kids to um, spend the whole afternoon uh, making ourselves uh, happy, joyful, doing things, silly things, playing and and finding joy in the simple things. Y you try and explain that to a child now with a phone in his hand and they'll just tut and look down at the phone again. So yeah, I get it completely. I, c I completely understand why we look back on what we had once and now have lost. It's very sad, isn't it? One of the Sunday Melody shows 
I talked about the books just as a throwaway line, the Dean at Blyton books. And somebody called Claire left a message on Facebook saying that things had been so bad for her during the lockdowns, you know, knowing the tyranny of it, knowing what was really happening, that she began reading the Mallory Towers books and then she began reading um, some other Enid Blyton books and then some other. And she said, I think she said that I was kind of hoping that by the time I got to the end of them, that the world would have gone back to normal and that we wouldn't be in the tyrannical situation that we were in. And it's a sad thing. It's a regression thing, but I totally get it because I've been there. I mean, I got so fed up with things last year. That's what I did. I grabbed some of these books and started looking at them again. And it took me back to a place which, funnily enough, wasn't great in terms of the family, but a place where I suppose I was a bit safer than I am now. Oh, yeah, totally get it. And, you know, people took solace and, and, and healing in many different forms. One is what you've just said. Uh, many others uh, decided to create. And, um, and that was something that I did. I spent my uh, three years in this healing room, uh, creating, doing things that I knew would help uh, my brothers and sisters, people around, people who were in a bad place, working on uh, crystals, working on uh, helping people find their um, joy and happiness, and um, just helping people in general in any way that I could that made me feel better um, because I could see that it was healing m my surroundings. It was healing everybody that were was in my community. And therefore, if people in your community and the people in your surroundings are feeling better, then you're obviously going to feel better yourself. So by creating every day, by helping every day and, and doing your best for everybody around you, wherever you meet them, then it makes sense that when you meet them all again, they're all going to be happy and, and feel better instead of sad and miserable and upset. But you know what, Richie, I'd really, I was thinking about this today. We, we, I'm talking about all your listeners, you guys should be patting yourself on the back. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, you should be patting yourself on the back. You should be looking in the mirror and saying to yourself, I am pretty unique. And you are out of the billions of people that followed along what their governments told them to, and you saw through it, and you said, no, I'm not having none of that. And you navigated through these these three years of being free from poisoning uh, yourself, free from the, the, the narcissistic, parasitical behavior of our governments and those who are you know, leading them, uh, you know, telling them what they should and shouldn't do. And w we saw through it. You saw through it. And, and you should be proud of yourself. All right. Yeah, you might feel bad. Yeah, you might feel alone. You might feel like you're, you know, the 1% or 5%. But my God, you should be bloody proud of yourself. You should be, you should be looking in that mirror saying, yeah, they didn't bend me. They didn't, they didn't stick me down on one knee. They didn't do this. They, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's brilliant. I love that. Absolutely right. That brings me on to something. I had a, an, an email. It, it is brilliant. You're absolutely right. Yeah, pat yourself on the back that you didn't succumb to it, that you didn't bow to the coercion, that you didn't, you know, value a, a quick holiday in the Costa del Sol above your own health and the health of your family, that you said no to the jab. Brilliant point, Mark. And it does lead nicely on to this. I had an email from a guy called Robbie Knox. Now, I know a Robbie Knox. I wonder if it's the same Robbie Knox um, from, from Waterford. And he said, Richie, why don't you ask your friend, no sarcasm here. I, I initially thought he was being sarcastic, but he wasn't. Ask your friend Mark, does he share your outlook 
um, on the fact that we're not going to get out of this. Now, Robbie, of course, like everybody else, is misrepresenting what I said. I never said we wouldn't get out of it. But I believe the time... Um, I mean, what is a year? What is two years in, over, in, in, in time? It might be a grain of sand on a beach. Um, I, I think it's possible that it could be quite a long time before we turn, by we I mean decent people, decent energetic beings, turn this around. And that's not me being negative or being kind of, you know, a Debbie Downer. I'm just saying it might be, we might be, it might be meant for us to go through this for 50 years or 100 years. And that might be something worth considering as we do everything we can to stop it now. You know, that we might have to, we might have to, we might have to come to learn to live with the fact that we should keep doing whatever we can to stop it. Now, we should never stop, but we might have to accept that it might be another generation in the future that wins the day. Now, that's not Debbie Downer. That's not me being negative. That's just me realising that time isn't linear. I don't know what time is, but we're only a speck of dust on the whole thing of time. So maybe... We're meant to carry the fight up to a certain stage, but maybe we're not meant to to win. How do you feel about that? Well, it's really an interesting subject, and we could talk about it for about two or three weeks for sure, yeah. because we can go into great depth. But most people are singular in the way they think. So it's like what you say they take literally. And I get that often uh, from uh, my community. So I have to go in depth and explain that there's so much duality that when we speak, it could mean so many different things and we should be open to that. But unfortunately, most people are closed and they just want one answer and then they're happy. Well, there's more than one answer to everything. And I mean, at this present time in moment, we're, we're being attacked because that's what happens on this planet, in my humble opinion right now. The attack is light and dark, good and bad, yin and yang, all of those things that will always be there to test us so that we can look back on our life and say, what did I do to make a difference? And that's that's the bottom line. So I don't think you will ever get the utopia that we want, but there's no reason why we can't no. create that utopia. And I'm, I, I've realized something over these past three years. I think without even realizing us people who claim to be, who, who, who say that we are more aware, more intuition, more enlightened, which we are to a degree for sure, because we recognize what was happening and and bang on, Richard, you've been bang on. All, all, all what you said has come true. So that, that's, that said, there is this something else as well that we've missed. And that could be that in and amongst what we've been going through, all of us, we've been sat, sad, upset, angry, bitter, um, rejectful. We, 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 we've rejected our own life because we feel that we can't move forward and find happiness until the whole world has found happiness. Could it be, could it be, it's only a question, could it be that the darkness is so clever that what we are and what we've done and how we act and how we behave towards what we know is tyranny, actually helping the darkness by us being frozen, angry, upset, bitter. I think there's something in that. And I've seen a lot of my friends who have been absolute warriors of the light. And I look up to them every day like you, but I also see a lot of illness in them. I see sickness and I, I have to ask myself, why is that? And then I realized that 
what you think absolutely causes a physical issue in the body. So if you're always thinking that life is filled with tyranny, if you think that the governments are all out to kill you, if you're always thinking that this world is, is a terrible world filled with lunatics and it's a lunatic asylum, you create that in your own body by way of telling your body. Your body doesn't know really what right and wrong and dark and light is, it only responds to what you're thinking and saying. So if you're responding, your body will respond to what you're thinking. And therefore, I have actually seen a lot of my friends become extremely ill because of the way they believe it was important for them to scream and shout and tell everybody what they 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 should do and shouldn't do and be careful. And to a degree, that was right. But also, I think it was wrong. And what we should have done is navigated through this three years in a way that we don't let the darkness get to us, that we are stronger and wiser than it, that we not only navigate, but we, we are one step ahead because we know what they're planning. We know what they're doing. So what are we going to do to make our life a better place? What are we going to do to create more happiness and joy in our life? But at the same time, still be aware of what we know, what's going on. Most of us didn't do that. Most of us no. were crying and, and, and so sad when we saw needles being put into children and, and, and people doing things and, 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 and all of those people that we, I mean, it was obviously something that was uh, life changing for a lot of uh, people because their gurus, their, their heroes were leading them down a path that now they realize was a really, really dangerous path. And people are becoming awake to this now, day by day. But the problem is, Richard, nobody likes to say that they're wrong. Nobody likes to say that I've made a mistake. And God forbid it ever came out that all what's happened is actually not just tyranny, but an absolute culling of humanity. How do you think everybody who was pushing that needle, how do you think they're going to feel for the rest of their life? So the chances of all of this coming out is very, very unlikely, in my humble opinion. No, it's a good point, this. And I get what you're saying about the dwelling on the stuff and becoming angry and that manifesting itself in the body. I could put my hand up and say, mea culpa. I was definitely a different guy in 2019 to the guy I am now. There's no doubt about that. The last three years have had a profound effect on me. I wouldn't say profoundly negative effect. There's been some pretty rough patches within the three years. But you've touched on something, and I think you're on to something here, but it creates a kind of a paradox. Because you're right, seeing the needles getting stuck in children, and there is an inquest going on in the west of Ireland as we speak about a 14-year-old boy who was destroyed by one of these jabs. And the coroner has come out, I reported on this earlier, the coroner has come out and said that, look, it's obviously the jab, this is very serious. You do get angry. You get terribly angry at that, because that's, you know, an understandable emotion. So, So how... Could you possibly even avoid not letting that get to you? I am pretty sure you have a method or I'm pretty sure you can manage it because I know you and you're a bit, you know, you're a bit different, a bit, you know, you're a bit special. I've seen you in action, but I can't not hold on to that. I don't go shouting at people. I don't shout at, I don't finish a radio show and shout at um, the future Mrs. Allen. I don't do that. I'm quiet. I'm a kind of a quiet guy. You know, I have my moments. We have our arguments like every couple and I will, but not, you know, not often. Most of the time I'm very quiet. I hold on to it. 
and I seize, I seize in rage, right? And then I just push that away because I can't allow that then, you know, interfere with my relationship with my fiance or with my relationship with the dogs or my relationship with my friends. So I tend to just kind of bury it to the back of my head. So that's a paradox. It makes you angry, but what else can you do about it? Well, it's really an interesting subject. And uh, as a healer over the years, I've had a lot of clients laying down on the healing bed. And within the hour, you can see the um, the release of what you've just said. The pain and suffering might not have been watching children being injected, but it could have been uh, a loss of a, a family member of grief. It could have been the the anguish of losing a partner to somebody else's uh, another yeah, woman. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't matter. But all of the pain and suffering that we go through, if we hold it in and we don't say anything, it manifests and eats away at certain physical uh, body parts. So I could, I, I could normally, um, within ninety percent, be able to tell you why a certain part of your body is in um, in in pain, in suffering, in physical issue, and that's because of this suppressed energy that like i said the body doesn't know any different the body doesn't know any different if you're feeling this pain the body will react to that and this negative energy where it sits in a certain point i'll, I'll give you a, a real uh, easy example of that um when you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders that is a an absolute truth saying it affects the shoulders and when you are working really, really hard and you can't stop, you know you can't stop because you've got to put food on the table, that pain goes down the back and goes to the bottom of the spine. And that is because of all the hard work you have to do. And then when you uh, have issues with what you see day to day, it can affect your eyes. When you don't speak your truth, it affects your throat. So everything is affected if we don't release. And like I said, when people are lying down on the healing bed, you can normally see the pattern of what happens. First of all, they are fighting against um, this energy from leaving them because they're frightened. And then they relax into it a little bit. And then all of a sudden they open up and then they'll either start crying or screaming or moving in, in strange ways, but it's a release. And once that's done, they get up and normally they say, I've never felt this inner peace in my life before. So the conclusion is really simple. You need to release what you hold onto, which is not positive. Now, the opposite of that is when you listen to music, when you go for a walk in nature, when you uh, put a, a funny movie on, uh, when you do things that make you happy. You should also hold on to that. That's what you should hold on to because that is a healing energy and that then fixes the issue in the body because then the body reacts to that and says, okay, this is energy of happiness. This is a serum which is healing and then the body will react and heal itself. So, and that the other interesting factor of, about all of this that I've learned as a healer is um, the the lie that was put out called the placebo. And the placebo really was a cover-up for the real truth. And the real truth is that placebo is actually self-healing. 
And if you realize that your body self heals itself within three days of any issue that you have, nine times out of 10, you don't need to rush and go somewhere to uh, cause um, an issue in the body even more by suppressing that very uh, issue that needs to come out, needs to vent. So it's an interesting thing that we all need to learn now. And the fact right now is nobody really is taking on board what they need to do. And I think we need as an individual human being, we need to take responsibility for ourselves. We need to understand that nobody's coming to fix you. Nobody's coming to help you. You are here to fix and help yourself. And once you grasp that, then your whole life changes because then you start to see life in the way that how I am, how I feel, how I react, my knee-jerk reactions are all part of this body. So you look at yourself, you judge yourself by how you react to any given situation and you say, okay, my reaction was was horrible, but it didn't last so long. And as the Buddha says, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So I would just say to all you beautiful souls out there, there's nothing wrong with reacting, but it's how long you hold on to the suffering that makes the difference. So you react, no problem. That shows you that you're an empath, you're kind, you're loving, and you've got this energy that wants to um, express itself. That's beautiful, but you don't hold on to the pain that you see. You let it go and transform it and make a difference and do something about it. Mark Boyersky is our guest. Now, if you're interested in healing, in finding a healer, or in becoming a healer, go to pehacademy.com. That's pure energy healing, pehacademy.com and check it out. I want to say this, very important I do say this, I think, not that I have anything important to say, but I think this is important. Um, about two years ago, a good friend of mine was in, a, was, in a, was in a pretty serious crisis and Mark offered to... Um, to, to, to intervene and provide energy healing for that person and it made an enormous difference and it put that person back um, on, on not, I shouldn't say on the right track but it, it did that person an enormous amount of good that's, that's an endorsement because I witnessed I, I bore witness to this but um, about uh, six, eight months ago um, Peter Ebden and Joe Radley who've been on this programme before and they know Mark and Mark knows them uh, Peter knew that I'd been struggling with um, with uh, a pain in my shoulder and they offered to do something about it, uh, Peter and Joe, and amazingly gave a similar um, kind of a, kind of a, I, I shouldn't say diagnosis, that's the wrong term, but a similar kind of a reading of the problem as, as Mark did and uh, provided healing for me. I, get, I consented for them to do it and um, I've never really looked back. I don't really have... Um, shoulder problems anymore. So I've seen this work. I've seen Mark Boyersky do this. I've seen it work. Uh, I see Peter do it. I saw a lovely bloke called Ted years ago, Mark in London, a lovely bloke called Ted uh, do it. And don't forget, there is a book, and we've interviewed the lady on the programme, by Sandy Edwards, the amazing Sandy Edwards. She is the only woman to this day that took part in a clinical trial in the NHS in a hospital where healing was trialled. And it worked. It absolutely worked. You can read the newspaper articles about this. The doctors all endorsed it. The surgeons, um, it works. Energy healing is real. And there's no better time, I don't think, than today, Mark, with everything that's going on and everything that's coming, for people to start looking into this. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. And, you know, for me over the years, um, I used to have children come to the academy and um, it's incredible the power of children, what they hold within them to do a healing session. It's incredible that we all hold this energy within us and we can utilize this energy and make a difference for our brothers and sisters. And yeah, somebody asked me, you know, how did you start on your path? How did you get to where you are? And I said, through healing. And um, I've never looked back. And to be honest, the reason why, and, and all you need to do is think about it. Have you really heard on mainstream media anything about energy healing? No, no you haven't. No. Well, that should give you a, an absolute 100% uh, knowledge that it works. Do you know what I'll say it to that? To. You're it, right. It, if it was, if if it didn't um, work, if it wasn't, um, if it wasn't real, I think they would go after it and ridicule it. Um, yeah. They don't say anything at all about it because the last thing in the world they want is for people to look into it, and that's why there is stone silence. There is an absolute silence when it comes to healing. You're bang on. It's a good point that. Yeah, and and I'll tell you something. If I ever wrote, if I ever wrote a book about the clients that came to me who were um, at high positions of, um, uh, let's say, the world of uh, politics, um, big business, all of these people who came to me came to me with uh, an understanding, a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, keep your mouth shut. Mr. Bayerske. Um, and okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, client confidentiality, I totally get it. But it used to kind of make me giggle because these people would never, ever mention. I mean, the percentage of people that would would mention this is is less than one percent. And I used to work uh, with a lot of people from ITV, BBC, who would come to me um, for healing sessions and for readings as well. Um, and never ever would they mention it because, as you know, they would lose their job. Ridicule. It, it yeah. fascinates me, Richard. That I've often said to people that listen, just listen to me. All these people at the highest level, they do what they say you shouldn't do. Oh, yeah. I, they eat the most healthiest um, um, organic food. They eat the most healthiest meat, um, grass-fed meat. They, they, what they do in their, um, let's say, spiritual means, they, 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 they take it very serious. But they would never tell you about their beliefs and what they do to heal and strengthen themselves. But they ridicule it to the rest That's of the terrible, world. That's terrible, isn't it? Isn't that? Can I ask you a quick question on that? Is it possible for something? It, it, it's probably very wrong and judgmental of me to talk about Prince Philip. Now, people will laugh at this. They will say, oh, Richie, you've said enough about these royals over the years. But look, the ultimate truth is, the absolute truth is, I never met, I don't know these people. I don't know anything about them. But I have my opinions, my, my theories on who and what they are. So this guy lives a long time. Most of these royals live a long time. So let's just pretend that I'm right and that these are pretty malevolent, dark entities. Is it possible to be a dark entity, but also to preserve yourself and to heal yourself using, um, you know, using the universe, using energy, using what you are? I mean, that's... That's a question and a half. Is, is it possible to be evil and yet to use energy healing for yourself? 
Without a doubt. Is absolutely. it? Wow. Absolutely without a doubt, because th there is no judgment in the world of love and light. It does its best to shine its light. No matter who you are, it never judges. So, I, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. There's been many people who have come to the Pure Energy Healing Academy in bits because they've done the most terrible things in their life. I don't judge. Spirit doesn't judge. Light doesn't judge. If you can help somebody clear that suffering and that pain and help them walk a life where they can help people and make a difference in the world, then that's the whole point in my world. So I won't judge somebody who's done something terrible because you know what? If I can help them clear that away and become a better person, then they won't do anything bad, hopefully again. So yeah, I definitely know for a fact that most of this understanding this work that I do is used and utilized by uh, lots of people who let's say don't walk the path of light but walk the path of darkness because yeah. they actually believe darkness is light you talk about Lucifer what does that word mean it means the light so it, it's a very fascinating subject and one which I've got so tired of trying to understand because there's so many different understandings out there. But I do know one thing, Richard, that there is always going to be darkness and it's always going to try its best to suppress you and make you feel bad and steal your energy. It's going to do its best to make this world as dark and as negative as possible because that energy is something that it feeds from in the sense that it feels at home. So if you raise the vibration of your life and the people around you and help, that is one step closer to healing the world. So the choice is yours. Ultimately, it will always be light and dark. You'll ne I, I don't think that will ever change. I think this world is a learning world of experience. And like we've just said, these past three years, what have we all gained in these three years? Think about it. What have we What have we learned in these three years? I tell you, Summer, I think we've learned a lot. Brilliant stuff. Stay there for 30 seconds. Mark Bajerski is our guest. Go to P-E-H-PapaEchoHotelAcademy.com. Look for PureEnergyHealingAcademy.com on the internet. Mark's going to stay there. I'm going to take a very quick break. When I come back... We are going to read some of the really interesting messages on the website richieallen.co.uk. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 Every day, as a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. My guest, Dan. And your guest this evening is the one and only Mr. Mark Bajerski, pehacademy.com. Thanks for staying there, Mark. Let me just read about five or six of these brilliant messages that have come in. 
Nelly says, yes, we can only heal ourselves and when we know and act on it, it attracts people who can help us too. I'm always sad when I enter my local supermarket when I see the queue at the pharmacy. They're victims, says Nelly. Thanks, Nelly, but recent events might be you know, kind of alerting them to that. They might be changing their minds. Craig says in the late 1800s, there were smallpox vaccine mandates for children, even though smallpox was barely killing any children. The result was that more children died or were injured as a result of the vaccine than as a result of the illness. Those mandates were finally overturned as a result of concerned mothers protesting. Excellent stuff. Uh, Hi to Patrizio says, kindness is the key to success. It costs nothing, yet it is the most valuable asset we shall ever own. Lucy says, I bought a large, uh, Mark will correct me now in a second, it's, is it Shungite or Shun, is it a Shun, how do I? Shungite. Shungite crystal for Mark's website in January. I bought it to alleviate radiation effects on me. I let a lady hold it recently. Um, she told me that, uh, oh yeah, she may be a white witch, uh, whatever that is, or mm. she said that she was. She told me that, um, Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll forward this on to you, Mark. It's a message. Uh, sure. we, we won't get in, into that. Uh, Nicholas says, Mark has some very sound advice. We had an awake friend who died suddenly a week ago from an unexpected heart attack. He was unjabbed, but we did wonder whether he had been stressing too much over world events. And there was an interesting thing, Mark, in the papers today. Not that it's true just because it's in the papers. Maybe it isn't. But it says it said even that stress... Um, doctors are beginning to think that stress doesn't lead to high blood pressure, that high blood pressure might lead to stress. Now, that's interesting because, you know, somebody like you might have said that a long time ago. You might have said your diet is leading to you getting high blood pressure and then your high blood pressure will lead to stress. So that's an interesting thing coming out of mainstream medicine. Go ahead. Yeah, that's very interesting. Never heard that before. Um, so, like I said at the beginning, every everything that you are is energy. Everything is energy. You vibrate like an antenna. And how you vibrate and what you receive through your beautiful uh, antenna, the, this gorgeous and powerful spacesuit that you wear, is vital, is, is vital to your well-being. So again, it's it's vital that you look towards things that help you vibrate in a healing way. Everything has to be healing now. So you vibrate in a way that the people that you're surrounded by are people that love you for who you are. It's really simple. If they don't love you for who you are, then that's not the people that you want to be around. So I always say this, I love you for who you are, and if you love me for who I am, then that is a good frequency to be. So there's no judgment, no anger, no bitterness. So if everybody around me loves me for who I am, then I know I'm not going to be stressed. I know I'm not going to put up with the energy of anger, jealousy, bitterness, frustration, depression. Now, I have no issue with people being around me who have issues at all and I want to help people and I will help people but then you have to navigate through this world in a sensible world in a sensible way now one of the things that we majorly make mistakes is that we try and help people who don't 
want help. So what happens is they're always crying. They're always upset. You try and help them, but they don't listen. They don't hear because they're not ready. So you have just wasted your energy trying to help somebody. And now you feel bad. And also that person doesn't feel any better. So you have to be wise to what and where you put your energy and who you give your energy to. So these things are vital on our journey. Again, when you're looking at the black screen, what are you looking at? Are you looking at something that's making you angry? Are you looking at something that's making you sad? This is an energy that is going to cause you to vibrate at energy, at anger and sadness. And thus it will cause your body ill health. And all of the immune system that we have is all is all connected to the energy that you feel and the energy that you are and the energy that you you create. Now, we're all radiators and drains throughout the week and the month and the year, and that is always going to be that way. However, you can regulate it by simple steps. You regulate it by what you put into your mouth. You have to be very, very wise now and look at what's going into your mouth. It's either going to heal you or it's going to be poison. Now, most of us eat poison, and that's the truth. We eat sugar, poison. We eat things that are so non-foods, that are filled with colorings, that are filled with all the, the, the processed non-foods. That doesn't feed your beautiful electrical body system therefore your body's screaming saying what are you doing and now it's trying to take from what you've just digested but there's nothing to take so it cannot heal itself so if you eat an apple you're electrifying 10,000 uh, body cells the body parts of you uh, of you as you eat that so a natural apple will your body will say thank you and it will heal itself. So again, if you're sat down on a computer, just looking at the world, going insane, that's not healing you. You need to get up and go for a walk, sit in Mother Earth, sit by a tree, lie down on the earth, go for a walk by the sea, just breathe in the mountains, the forests. That is going to help you. That is going to clear the negative energy that you see through the day. And these two things are vital because the health and well-being of your physical and the emotional, all of these things together create a, an extremely toxic body or a very healthy body. So most people only do one of two or three things. So we need to do so much more. We need to be wise and we need to be looking at every single aspect of how we can help this spacesuit, this body temple. Yeah. And most people don't reach it. Be it. Most of us are procrastinators. Most of us just say we're going to do it, but we don't. And, you know, the other thing is as well, this is going to upset people. The truth is this. You don't listen. You won't listen and you never will. And when people say, wow, okay, yeah, you're probably right, then you're at the first step of healing yourself and your life. You've got to learn to understand that you are not perfect, that you make mistakes, you don't listen, and when you realize that, you can make the change. 
Brilliant stuff. Mark Bajarski is our guest. PEHacademy.com. Few more messages because we're, we've been inundated with them. And we always do when you're on and I never read them. Sarah J has left a beautiful message about how you helped her out when she needed help. It's a lovely message. I won't read all of it out there. But she messaged you um, to get you to signpost her uh, to somewhere uh, that you could buy some crystals and you did a lovely thing uh, for her. It's a beautiful story. Thanks, Sarah. Isabel says, regarding reading the innocent books of your childhood, it might also be subconsciously a a form of resistance to all the data and the technology and the AI that surrounds us today. That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Let me scroll up. Patricia Brownsfighter, mutual friend of ours, an amazing lady. I agree with Mark, she says. If we keep telling ourselves how negative the world is, we feed the negative. We have to know without a question of a doubt that goodness always wins in the end. No matter what, only put positive thoughts out into the world. Now, you talk there about doing things, getting out to the countryside, getting out to the sea. And um, I, I definitely don't do that enough, but I'm going to make more of an effort, particularly over the winter with uh, the uh, the missus and uh, the canine chums. Uh, here's here's stating the, I should be the minister for stating the bleeding obvious. Um, you could never live in a metropolitan area ever again. Could you could? Uh, I don't imagine you could ever live in a city. Could you? It's really interesting that because every time I go to a city, I manage two or three days, and then I'm uh, I'm kind of feeling really unbalanced. Not just the smart meters and the Wi-Fi and the people who are just walking around, not knowing who they are, what they're doing, in a state of of stress. I feel all of this, so no, I couldn't. And wherever I go in the world, and it's a small world, and most of us are trying to find a place that we want to live in this world. But unfortunately, I think most of the world has already been infiltrated by all the things that we don't like. So we have to create our own world. We have to be smart. We have to find a little patch, a little place where we can have our safe haven. And that's what I did. So I don't particularly like being anywhere near not so smart cities. I don't like being anywhere near big shopping centers and supermarkets for more than five minutes because my energy gets depleted because of everybody who are who's in there who's feeling depressed and down and sad and to a degree people will say well i thought you're a healer i thought you're stronger than that you should be able to protect yourself well i am i'm keeping out of the way and that's my way of protecting myself i will do anything to help somebody who's on the floor i'll lift them up i'll help them but I will not subject myself to people who are in the energy of negativity and anger. I've, I, 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 it's too heavy for me now and I'm too old for it. So at one time I used to, you know, I used to be like a, an elephant. I, I could cope with anything. But the older you get, you realize that your body certainly uh, loses energy. You're not as energetic anymore. And enthusiasm doesn't seem as <laughs> as it did once. And you have to really get yourself out of bed and Tell say, what, what is this world all about? What yeah. am I here? What am I doing in this world? We are, No matter which guru you listen to, they all have the same thoughts and feelings than you and I. We we don't we we're just making the best of what we can do, Richard. Yeah, you we're don't provide easy a- and you don't provide easy answers. That, that's right. Um, a pathway to solutions, 
Mark Bayerski is our guest. This is lovely from Marie. Uh, Hi to Mark, she says. I've been making an effort to smile at people for a while now. It is amazing what comes back and how uplifting it is for me and for the other person. People have said how lovely it is to see a smiling face and how rare it's becoming. It's easy, although I do feel like uh, a bit of a loopy-loo at times. But what the heck, says Marie. I'm smiling at people and I'm getting some positive responses. That's lovely. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I I remember telling this story on the show before, and it's a story that always touches me when somebody says, I smile at people. And it was about uh, a man that was uh, found at the bottom of the river, um, and he drowned. And um, they took him out, and um, they went back to his house. And on the the desk, there was a handwritten letter, and the man had wrote that he'd given up on life, he didn't believe that people out there loved each other and they were kind and caring, but he would walk to the bridge and if anybody smiled at him, he would turn back. He would that turn back? Yeah. So basically nobody smiled at him. So yeah, he took his life. So that was a, a profound um, yeah. story that was told to me by somebody and it made me realize how it's important to just smile at people and, uh, it, it does. A smile is far more powerful than anybody could ever imagine. And if they were taught this at school to smile at people, the, then this world would probably change in a day. But, Overnight, yeah. maybe. I, I um, struggled for years to, to deal with kindness from people. And you and I spoke about this years ago. Um, a lot of people who had difficult childhoods, and I certainly don't want any sympathy, I've long moved on from the things that happened to me when I was a kid. But when you're in a, you know, a situation where there's violence and you're not basically looked after by parents and stuff, you do, you do struggle with kindness. I used to run a mile from kindness, from, from nice people, from people who, you know, were reaching out with their arms to, uh, you know, metaphorically, like to kind of help me out or to do things for me. I used to just run a million miles away. That's really interesting. We have so many messages coming in. <clears throat> um, a number of people have asked about Reiki. I'll make you laugh. Because I used to be, I won't make you laugh, but uh, I I used to be, as a younger man, uh, I knew everything. And uh, healing and energy healing was all airy-fairy stuff, was all nonsense. It was nonsense, Mark. Mm -hmm. Nonsense. I wouldn't be as vociferous as that, but that's what I thought, you see. And uh, my better half has an an aunt or or father's sister, um, really nice lady. And she came to stay with us in Ireland. And knew that I had a couple of sports injuries and offered to perform some Reiki on me. So can you imagine what the stubborn uh, 20-something Irish guy who knew everything said to her? I basically ran a mile away from her, right? Get away from me. I didn't say it just as as bad as that. But is Reiki something um, we can do, asks um, Isabel and others on the comment line, to raise vibrations in our bodies? Is it something worth looking into, Reiki? Yeah, Reiki, uh, pranic healing, pure energy healing, all the healing techniques, anything to do with healing will help you on your journey to raise the frequency of your your vibration to change you into a lighthouse, uh, uh, a warrior, um, a light worker, whatever you want to call it. It will help you because it activates all, all healing, uh, you, whatever you call it, all healing activates um, parts of the body 
and the uh, connection to your uh, spirit, your soul, that that what the spacesuit uh, resides in, you know, so your soul needs to be fed. You can't feed the soul fear, anger, bitterness, but you can feed it healing, love, empathy, kindness, happiness. And when you do healing, there's something so unusual, so powerful, so potent that it changes your life because all of a sudden there's a moment where as you're doing a healing session on somebody else, you realize that you're doing something that's fulfilling inside your soul. There's a connection between the energy in the universe that is pouring through you into your client and you can feel the benefit before and after. And that th there's no words. You, there, th th people have come to this academy and they've literally thrown up physically because the, the, the power of healing is cleansing, is purifying. And th the amount of hugs I got from grown, strong, German, uh, Dutch men who came here not knowing why they came, it changed their life after four days and they, they become somewhat more sensitive. They become more feminine and more powerful in, in themselves. They're able to hug, uh, whereas when they walk through the door, they, they stuck their hand out to give me a handshake. And at the end of the four days, they're wanting to hug. We are all still children deep down. We all want love. We all want people to say nice things. We all want to be able to help one another fix and heal and help and, and make a difference in this world. And that's why we came into this world. And we must never forget that. And the hardest thing I think for most of us is to receive. And I did mention once that there is um, uh, a group somewhere in the mountains in the Himalayas, I think. And um, basically where you, when you go there, you take all your clothes off, they put rags on you and uh, you hold a bowl and, and you go and, um, uh, basically beg. And the reason why is because most of us really struggle with receiving. And whatever is put into that bowl, whether it's a bowl of rice or whether it's um, a, a, a kilo of gold, you must accept it with the greatest of love. Now, that's a way of training yourself. That's the way of, of, of awakening something within you that we all need. I mean, I know for a fact, Richard, because I have a lot of friends who tell me, why is it that you were maybe outside uh, an ATM machine and out of the millions of people are around this world, one person's trying to get money out and they couldn't, and you over, you saw this and then you took money and gave it to them. Why is that? Yeah. Well, the uni the universe, Richard, knows and sees, and spirit is very clever, and they lead us to the right people who are going to help us at any given moment. And uh, and this is what I understand about life. There's always somebody going to help, but a lot of the times, like I, I remember I should have uh, been going to this lady to give a healing uh, in Marbella. She had cancer and I was late. And as I was rushing on my motorbike, I fell off and um, I, I had a four hour operation. I've got a metal plate and nine pins in my arm. But the whole point of that story is I couldn't work thereafter. And two people happened to come to me and say, I know that you're going to struggle now. And I've been collecting money over these past few months from my circle nights. 
and I want to give it you so you can afford to pay for your family and your food. And like, you have no idea how, how I was crying and struggling to accept that. It was the most painful moment of my life. And it's so easy for me to give and it's so easy for you guys to give. But to receive, that's a different ball game, and we have to learn to receive, Richie. Mark Bajerski is our guest. Is, that's really interesting. Yeah, I remember that ATM um, situation. Afterwards, I told you this and you just grinned at me with that big knowing grin on your face. After that happened, um, not long after, a couple of hours after, a listener sent the show pretty much the exact sum of money. Yeah. that had been given to the gentleman and his, and his daughter, who was totally genuine. I remember afterwards, I got a lot of messages from people who said I was scammed. I wasn't scammed because the chap wanted to give me his uh, driver's license details. He wanted me to get in touch with him in the future so that he could pay me back. And I said, not at all, don't be silly. You won't pay me back. You'll just be there when somebody needs help in the future. You'll do it for them, uh, kind of pay it forward. But later on that day, I swear on everything that's sacred to me, um, yeah. a listener sent the exact same sum of money as a uh, you know support for the show mark Bajerski is our guest let's um let's let's finish with this for angela um because i think you'll be able to help here angela is a long-time listener did talk to me i think on a phone in about this she says i i do send prayers and healing to two of my children who have cut me out of their lives is there anything mark thinks i can do this has happened so much in the last couple of years where people have fallen out, not not because it's their own fault, not because of anything they've done, but because family members don't see the things we see, don't want to see them, and then get annoyed and angry with people like us and refuse to speak to us. And this is heartbreaking. It really is. It hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to people I know. What do you do in that situation, Mark? How do you approach that? Well, um, if you're asking me as um, a, a spiritual guide, I would say that everything happens for a reason. And sometimes we need to look at ourselves because sometimes we can, uh, if we're honest enough, we can look back and say, was I forceful? Did I make this happen? Am I partly to blame? If if the answer is deep down, because the answer is inside you, there's no denying that. You, it's either a yes or a no. Yeah, And, and m- most of the time, we we do cause uh, partly these things, but there is something else that is very interesting right now, and that the black screen is changing humanity, is changing children, so they're not the same. So as a, a spiritual guide, we have to understand that that they're being uh, almost taken over, brainwashed. Uh, so that is part of it. But if you step back from it all and look at it as a as the bigger picture, as I call it. What do we learn from it? What should we do? For me, if my son fell out with me now, I would send him messages of love and I would just tell him I love you and I miss you with all my heart. And I would just keep sending them messages out of love. I would keep sending my healing and my my truth, truth, but I would not be forcing, I would not be pushing anything. I would not be uh, telling them what to do. Because a lot of the times in the years that I've been a healer, many people used to come up to me and I'm not saying that this lady is, but I could see after five minutes, well, you know what? I think I'd run away if if I I was behaving that way. So I used to say to a lot of my clients, just 
even if you haven't done anything wrong, apologize and say, you know, I love you and just keep doing that. And eventually in time, everything changes. And, and a lot of the times um, the children do come back. Um, but there's so many different reasons why children don't because they might be on drugs. They might be uh, in a, a toxic relationship with somebody who stops them and so on. So it's it's you've got to be one to one with the person that you're talking to to really, truly understand what's going on. Really good, Mark. Really good. Um, we're, 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 we're going to wrap it up in, 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 a, in a couple of minutes time. Just before we do that, uh, P.E.H. Academy. Uh, dot com. That's Pure Energy Healing Academy. Uh, dot com. I suppose we. Well, I know. Well, we, we, I say I know with your permission. We'll speak again early in the new year. We'll have we'll have a good chat after Christmas. But um, do you want to um, to leave our listeners with, um, with with a message as we approach? Uh, again, you know, d- despite I mean, I've, I've had a mad life, but some of the better memories I have of, of, of life when I was younger was uh, was Christmas time, was being off school and the neighbours coming around and all of the uplifting um, atmosphere that, that, that came with that. Is this time of year special to you, Mark? Is it a, an energetically positive time of year for you? What, what are your kind of thoughts about, about, about Christmas and, and about... Um, you know how you're going to uh, approach it. How are you going to celebrate it this year? If if I have to have um, a certain time of year that makes me find happiness, there is no happiness. Happiness to me is every day, and I work upon happiness not because it's a Christmas day or it's a birthday or it's it's Black Friday. Every day should be a day that we work on our happiness. It's the only way to find balance and happiness in your life because once Christmas is over, then you're addicted to the next time, the next fix. And that's an addiction. That's not healthy. So get rid of all of, of those thoughts and feelings about Christmas and birthdays and just work on happiness daily. And that way you'll strengthen your life. And any time that Christmas comes, well, you're happy anyway. Maybe you might be a little bit more happier some days than others. But I work on happiness daily. And that's it. I don't have um, uh, a system telling me when I should buy flowers for my loved ones or a present for my loved ones. I won't bow to that dark energy. I like it. Mark, thanks, mate. Loved it today. Um, continued success to you and everybody at the Pure Energy Healing Academy, PEHacademy.com. We'll speak to Mark again early in the new year. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, pal, and Rich, let's do it again soon. Richard, just before I go, can I just say one thing? Yeah, of course, mate. Go ahead, yeah. Okay, well, to all your listeners, uh, I I always love to do something for the Richie Allen Radio Show. So um, I am going to um, raffle if you go to com and if you buy any e-book, you will be entered into a raffle uh, for a Moldavi, a Tecti, um, a Citrine, a Tourmaline, um, Herkimer Diamond, Shungai, Libyan Desert, uh, Black Moonstone, uh, Blue Calcite, uh, Silicon Valley, Ametrine, um, and uh, Pyrite. These are some of the most beautiful pendants in the world that I've collected, and I will be raffling them off 
on my site and that all proceeds go to the Richie Allen radio show, not just for having me on, but for everybody who sent me a message today and yesterday saying how much they love Richie and please tell him we love you. Uh, you're very kind. You don't have to do that, but it's greatly appreciated, Mark. Thanks so much, mate. And it's right back at you. I really appreciate that. So anybody uh, who goes to markboyerski.com and buys an ebook um, in the next couple of days, Mark will take the names of everybody and um, will we'll, we'll raffle those lovely crystals. You're, you're great for doing that. I really appreciate it, pal. Thank you. Yeah, ditto. We love you, Richard. And thank you, everybody, for coming and listening to uh, this show. Uh, we love it, eh? We love you. We love this show. Yay! Massive big head on me now. Thanks very much for that. Thanks, Mark. It's Pure Energy Healing Academy, pehacademy.com. You've been listening to uh, the great Mark Boyerski live on Tuesday's Richie Allen uh, radio show. The time is fast approaching 12 minutes to the top of the hour. While I grab something to drink, I will take a tune. God, this takes me back. Been listening to a lot of 90s music lately. This is London Beat. Uh, I've been thinking about you. Um, Gabrielle or Gabriel says Mark is a one-off tonic. Busy says... All right, that's a gag. Uh, Craig says the black screen is changing children. That's a quote. Uh, Mark spoke about this. That argument was used decades ago against the television. Before that, against cinema. Before that, against the camera. Those arguments were all made by the conservative-minded older generation who feared change. Those fears were not without reason, but they also ignored the positives. But Craig, you also ignored that there is no relationship whatsoever between the cinema, the television and smart mobile phone technology. Well, there is a relationship. Obviously, they are screens which transmit information. Yes, but um, the smart devices, the mobile phone and tablet devices are unique in that for the first time ever. At least maybe. Maybe Craig is a point here. (laughs) These devices, they alter the brain physiologically. They change the brain. Uh... And uh, and they do lots more besides, and I don't have time to get into it. So it's a good point, but not a great point, Craig. But that's just my opinion. Yes, people have railed against change and technology for years and years and years. I'm going to sound like one of those people by saying, but this time it's different. But I think this time it really is different. But that's my opinion. Joe says, is Gregorian chanting beneficial to your bodily vibrations? Some people think it is. Uh, Joe, I would say. Let me scroll. Um, Isabel came back to say there has been an incredible increase in the volume of violent movies over the last 10 years. Nowadays, every other show on the television is crime-related. Do you think this is planned to bring down the world's energy? It might be. I've noticed over the years the rise of online newspapers. Now, Newspapers have been online ever since the internet was born, ever since we had the internet. But these days, the UK newspapers in particular are being read. The Daily Mail is is probably the prime example. Uh, It has more readers online through its app, right through the Daily Mail app on your phone, on your tablet. And if you look at the Daily Mail newspaper, uh, online stories, it is misery after misery after misery. It is man burned down 
the house of his ex-wife, followed by man kicked to death in the street by thugs, followed by stabbings in London, followed by. And I have made this point on this radio show and I will continue to make it. Stories that are not in the public interest. You know, stories about people being shot in a nightclub in Seattle. Not in the public interest. Not in the UK in any case. Not remotely interesting. Not interesting, not useful, not educational, not informative. Just useless information. Misery. She has a point, does uh, Isabel. Uh, I, I've, I've seen this. Go on to dailymail.co.uk. Look at it. It is misery, 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 murder, stabbing, kidnapping, horrible stories about a couple who mistreated or malnourished their young child and the child died. Horrible shit, which is not in the public interest. It isn't journalism. It's nothing but misery. Is it designed? Has it been designed that way? Has it consciously been designed that way to, to, to bring you down? Maybe. Maybe it has. I'm pretty sure it does bring you down. Uh, Davy says, I believe in what Mark is saying. I had soreness for a long time. I was told it was arthritis. I tried a new therapy called, he says Bowen, B-O-W-E-N. I never heard of it. But thanks, Davy. He says, Richie, it worked a treat for me. Uh, again, you've got to believe in it, though. It's kind of faith-based, says Davy. But um, it, it worked. Herself went to uh, a chiropractor in Fairfield in Iowa after hearing about the chiropractor. Uh, he wasn't uh, a, a, a member of the Wu-TM community that dominates that town, but a native Iowan who was born with a gift. And herself went to this chiropractor and was, was helped. It's, it's a long message. You can read it on the chat there on Comment Life. Kiki says, what an amazing man Mark is. I think having too much information can be detrimental to our own health. A suppressed emotion expresses itself in our organs and body. No doubt about that. Yeah, Peter and um, Joe were very helpful. I was speaking to him on the phone. I'm, I'm not name dropping, but he's been on the programme. He's going to come back on real soon. And uh, we had a chat and, 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 and on the phone, we're talking about snooker and the horses. Peter is uh, big into breeding and bloodlines and horses, horse bloodlines, before you think it's something else. Um, not Archon bloodlines, no, no. Bloodlines to do with horse breeding. He's an expert in that. That's his career these days, really. And um, he he was saying to me, I know, I know you've got this issue with your shoulder. So he said, please um, consider uh, the offer of healing. It's got to be offered. It can't be given without consent. And we'll help you out, Joe and myself. And they did. And the shoulder isn't problematic anymore. Not even an ache, really. It, it just isn't an issue. So, so there you are. That's been my experience. My, my most recent experience. That is it for the programme. Thank you so much to Mark Bayerski, pehacademy.com. Uh, Come and for anybody who wants to go to markbayerski.com to buy an ebook there, you'll help this program and you'll be entered into a draw for some beautiful crystals. Again, thanks to Mark for that. We will speak again tomorrow at five o'clock UK time. That's you and me. Until then, look after yourselves and one another and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. <laughs>